Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice. Hello, my name's Louise Greenwood and I'm Director of Education and um, during this podcast, I'm talking to Helene Irvin. Hi, Helene. Hi, Louise. And you work for Wessex LMCs and your role is? Hi, everyone. Um, Yes, my name is Helene Irvin and I'm the Nurse Advisor at Wessex LMCs. Fabulous. And you do an awful lot, um, much wider than just nursing. Um, I know that. So I think we just want to talk today about post-COVID, if we imagine COVID's over, but post-pandemic and getting back to normal and sort of restoration. Um, and where do you go? Where do you start? And I know you've done a lot of work on this, Helene. So where did all the work start from? Where's it come from? And um, what have you done? Um, so I guess this takes us back to the very start of the um, COVID ban- pandemic. And um, what we recognised as an organisation was um, we wanted to develop something that could support and obviously work with practices, um, focusing on what could continue safely throughout the p- pandemic and some of those areas that could be postponed because, you know, this suddenly hit us. It was a, a continual changing playing field and it was really, really difficult to try and keep up with the information. And um, the emphasis was always on looking at safety for the service users and the members of staff. Um, and we had started to look at um, how we could rag race some of these um you know, some of the things that were taking place in general practice. Um, and then the RCGP and the BMA came out with their documents. So what we did was we sort of built on that document and we included links to suggestions, topics, websites, that practices and staff might find very useful. And we wanted all these to be in one place because daily, you know, practices were, were faced with lots of information. It was forever changing. It was often very difficult to go through all the documents. And obviously practices were under pressure in terms of time and having to change their workload and dealing with anxieties of um, service users, etc. So this, um, is a a go, this is kind of a go-to booklet, isn't it? And there's lots and lots of resources and lots and lots of links. So what question are you asking yourself so that the answer is, we'll have a look in the restore booklet. What sorts of things? Um, it covers a whole variety of things, really. And it was built, the content of it was built very much on some of the queries and questions we were getting in from the whole range of practice staff, not just practice managers. And there was clinicians as well, GPs and nurses. So it sort of evolved and built from there, really. And for us of us who, you know, at the LMC all, most of us, if not all of us, have worked in some capacity within general practice. So we were trying to put ourselves in, in these people's shoes, really, and thinking, mm. what is it that we want? But, you know, we don't always have the answers. So we were asking other people out there as well and saying, you know, what would be what would be really useful to you? And then, interestingly, um, just prior to this, myself and somebody called Julia Taylor from Derby, we wrote a document on information and support for nurses during COVID, which very much built then into um, into this document it's a really comprehensive document it's quite long but what we have been able to do and um, in fact one of our colleagues Helene Clark has done it is that if there is a specific area that you want to look at you don't have to go through the whole document you just go to the contents page and you press on it for example it could be spirometry or irrigation or indemnity so it'll take you directly to that section within uh, within the document that's really useful. Um, and if people do want to look on our website, it's if you just put res- restoration into the search bar, that's how you'll find the document, isn't it? It is. And as a result of that, what we've also done is, as you probably, for those of you who looked at our, our website, we have now a specific section on the website related to COVID. And this is part of that. And 
you talked about past COVID. I'm not sure we'll ever be past or post COVID. Um, But we have now started to update the document because obviously we're now moving into a different phase. Yeah. Um, We have increased demands from patients. And now we're thinking of restarting perhaps some of those activities that we have previously postponed or put on hold. Um, So it is regularly updated. But please bear with us because it changes all the time. Yeah. So is the feeling you think the general practice, even though it's just feeling overwhelmed, we were saying before, is kind of the, the description that I'm hearing so much, needs to get back to normal in some sense and is getting back to normal in some sense. And um, you sort of looked at priorities, haven't you? And you sort of split it up um, with pillars, some resource pillars. I wonder if you can tell us how, how you sort of formulated what you put in the document, because as you say, it could be absolutely massive and it could be all things to all people and just the Bible, but you had to just kind of condense it down. Yeah, we decided to um, break it up into, I guess, four pillars, really. One focused on workforce. Um, One was the general sort of practice infrastructure. Uh, One was service delivery pillars. And the other was, importantly, interfacing um, pillars with patients because during the pandemic, it it has become evident that a a lot of patients have taken more responsibility for their own health. And that's something we want to incur encourage and pursue Mm. and obviously now with the the personalized care approach um and for example on the interface pillar with patients one of the things we looked at was how do you liaise with with vulnerable service users for example those with dementia or learning disability or mental health or even those with visual or hearing loss because we've had a massive push into virtual consultation the use of you know a digital approach um but for some people they either can't access them particularly if they've got you know um visual problems so for example in that what we've done is if you go onto it you can it will take you to some links and suggestions to organizations that will give you some key tips on how to um, consult with them um, with those particular groups of patients um, and we've had some really good YouTube for example on learning disabilities you know yeah. to try and encourage them to um, access there's a really good YouTube on be healthy be happy and, and don't miss out um, and also apps there's been a great push on apps mm-hmm. some of them are recommended some aren't um, so we've, we've got links to that as well and have you managed to go because as you say there's a plethora of apps and you could be out there all the time have you got some actually that you recommend in there that you know being sort of validated um yeah the the ones we recommend have been validated and they've either been shared through other organizations for example particularly some of the ones around long-term conditions um the nhs itself has a really good page that has a lot of apps apps they recommend and and that's on there um and then one of the other things we looked at was service delivery pillars i guess that's the other area i would encourage people to look at yeah um And what we did there was we looked at activities that needed to continue during the pandemic, for example, child immunisation, monitoring patients and high-risk medications, long-term conditions, mental health annual reviews, end-of-life care and dressings, for example, because, you know, we we have to acknowledge the fact that throughout all this, these things have continued. Practices have been seeing patients on face-to-face, particularly nurses, you know, they have been at the forefront. Nurses have adapted their roles and moved into, you know, the virtual side of things, but they've also been seeing patients on a face-to-face basis, and that's continued. But as part of that, what we've we looked at was trying to see how you could do these things differently and make it more streamlined, and obviously, again, ensuring the safety of the patients and the staff with the use of PP and um, obviously infection control. Um, and in, in fact, even the injections, we, you know, we, we looked and explored and looked at some of the research of 
what injections could we actually encourage patients to administer themselves? You know, we routinely give B12, for example, on a regular basis, but is there any reason why a patient can't give their own B12? And if you were to do that, what would you need to ensure in place? What's the robust government and you know, safety you'd need to put in place? And again, those sort of links are within uh, within the document. Um, and obviously, picking up on things that were perhaps postponed, um, you know, coils, implants, routine vaccinations, ear irrigation, those are the sort of things that practice are now considering reintroducing. But it's it's guiding them through what perhaps they need to think of or have in place before they restart that. And the other thing we did was we've asked pay practices and they have been very kindly to um, send us some examples of good practice of where they've made changes. So that's on their website as well. So it's real examples of where it's worked in practice. That's really helpful. And do you think there's going to be a sort of a, um, some, as you say, a lot of nurses have done a lot of face-to-face appointments throughout, but there are some services they haven't been able to do or haven't been running. Um, is there going to be any anxiety with getting back to doing those um and um yeah it's just do the people need refreshing or is it it is a good time to actually take stock and say actually we're not going to carry on doing this we're able not to and we're this is an alternative way of doing it or this is an alternative person who could do it i think you're absolutely right on the last last, lot of comments you know i think this people responded superbly well and very quickly to the changes virtually overnight you know and they're really adaptable and really flexible and there are certain things i think that we talk about restore um that you wouldn't necessarily want to go back to now there are pros and cons of those you know there's a massive push for example for e-consult and everything everyone thought it was fantastic but we're hearing all the time that now you know patients not all patients are using it appropriately and practices are absolutely inundated with the number of e-consults that they they have to deal deal with so um there are certain things i think that have worked well i think there are certain things that um may be challenges and i think this is the opportunity if we have time and that's very difficult general practice they often don't have the headspace to do it is to reflect on what worked well and why what didn't work so well and what needs to be changed and maybe maybe adapted and it's, um, and it's probably the making time for that for within your team or within small teams. It might be easier to break it down to say, OK, let's just have an hour to reflect on what has been good, what hasn't been good and to look forward. And and how how can pe- people support? And I know one of your resource players is the workforce. So how how can people just support each other and create some resilience? Because as, as we said earlier, it's not really post-COVID. It's kind of existing and living with COVID. Um, so, so what can you suggest about that sort of resilience and workforce in that sense? Um, we have quite a big section on the workforce section around staff well-being and also risk assessments. Um, you know, service users will say that they they didn't go to the gp practice because obviously they were afraid of contacting covid so they stayed away um, and i think there'll be the anxiety of people returning to what normal whatever normal looks like and i think you're right you know staff have been doing things differently um and it's maybe challenged the current way we we do things or, or think of doing things but i think we need to focus a lot more on patient engagement and empowerment and allowing the patient to take control. I mean, that's the whole thing about the personalized care, involving them in their, in their care and their capacity. We've, you know, we've always said that it's guidelines, you know, with mandatory training, everything else, charge organization being a good one. You know, we normally would recommend that they do an annual update because things change so quickly. And I think that will continue, but I think it could be done differently. I mean, you know, from your experience with, with training, um, 
so many people have accessed online training and some of that has been quite positive because they've not had to leave the workplace. They've not had to take time off to travel. And it's short snippets that's been really, really good. Um, and I think there's been a lot of sharing of ideas and learning within practices as well. So not everybody has to go on the same course. Um, it's interesting, actually, isn't it? Because one of the I was just just hosting a course earlier on today and people said, well, it's great because we can do it virtually online. So we can still kind of answer questions. And if the door opens, we can still answer but actually, that means you're not in the moment and you're not kind of concentrating necessarily on what you're doing. So I wonder if we've created some sort of um, attention deficiency within, our, within ourselves that actually to take time back to plan the hour, right, this is a protected hour to look through what we're doing. And also to, to, look, to acknowledge that everybody will respond differently. Some people love change. Some people hate it. Some people have been through really traumatic times over the last year and when some people are tired there's all sorts of stuff and patients will be feeling that as well as us won't they absolutely and it's a it's a two-way process isn't it you know if you're feeling if you're tired and you know the way you answer the telephone you know you can pick it up on your tone your voice and everything else and you're right we all learn differently and some of us thrive on working you know by ourselves in isolation others thrive on that social contact and for some of us you know, it's apprehensive to go back to our social contact. Some of us are saying, I, I don't want to go back and do that. So it's finding finding what works for you as an individual and having the ability to share that with your colleagues. You know, it's that open transparency leadership approach, really, which, you know, is is, is evident in well-led practices. Um, and that, But I think what has happened is because people working virtually, practices seem to have spent time in ensuring that staff are engaged and they have that, you know, those small... Um, what would we call them, huddles, if you like, to share what's going on. And I think we need to make sure that we, we continue that because communication um, and engagement um, is, is essential. And, you know, and it's sharing the vision and, you know, it can change the culture of the practice. And that's really, really important moving forward. Okay, so probably, so the document talks about well-being, workforce, and um, you talked about sort of spirometry and getting back some sort of more sort of task orientated things. Um as I said before, overwhelmed is the expression I'm hearing a lot of. So I'm short for time. Come on, Helene, what do you suggest I do? What's what's the first thing I need to do? I'm looking at your document. I'm feeling, oh, my goodness, I can't read it all. Where do I go first? And what do you think we ought to focus on in the next few months? Um, I think engagement with patients. I think that's really is crucial. I think, you know, how are you engaging? How are you getting the message over? So is your website up to date is a really good one. And I know it's time consuming to do that. But what what medium, what mechanism can you use to share information with patients? You know, if they're now coming back into the surgery, there's posters, newsletters, Facebooks, etc. All really, really important. And I, I think we're all part of that process. We're all part of that solution, including the reception staff. You know, make sure the reception staff are aware of what's, what's going on as well. I think that's really, really important. Um, and we, we don't have necessarily have all the answers. So I think, you know, the more we can sort of signpost individuals to area support and make sure we utilise all members of staff, you know, whether it's social prescribers, care navigators, wherever you like to call them. I think that's I think that's really, really essential. I think what we said before, reflect on what we're doing, you know, what has worked well and why and, and put those in place. And 
the skills of your staff, make sure you're maximizing the skills of your staff. You know, you've got an extremely knowledgeable group of individuals. Some of them will have additional skills that you don't even know about or, or knowledge. And you know, that's everybody when I, when I talk about staff. That's not just clinicians, that's the non-clinical staff as well. That's really, really important. Um, and then the big area for me is about clinical supervision, particularly when you're working differently or in isolation. You know, you need that contact, you need that supervision, whether it's day-to-day um, -day supervision, you know, educational support, whatever it is, I think it's really, really important that we all look at that um, and people have protected time as well to do that. Yeah, and supporting each other. It's all about working as a team, isn't it? Yeah. The fundamental thing is doing it as a team and moving forward as a team. So that has been so useful. Thank you, Helene. So if you want to find this document, it's on our website, which is wessexlmcs.com. If you put in restoration in the search bar, then you'll find, as I say, there's a, there's a, there's a, it's a long document, but it's a very, very easy to use document. Lots of helpful links, fantastic um, summary and contents page. So you can hook to exactly what you need. And um, that's been really useful. And I'm sure, Helene, you'll take questions if people want to email you in, um, email in at Office Basics LMCs, and we can sort of take any questions on that and any um, any pointers that people have. Share best practice with us. We're always happy to learn what you're up to. Um, and also, I guess this will be probably one thing that will be updated every now and then because it's going to be very useful moving forward, Helene. So thanks once again. It's lovely to chat to you. Thank you. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice.